So Rose, who would you trust to save your life all alone on a snowy mountaintop? Famous people, please, for our listeners. Don't say your friend Kevin. I do love my friend Kevin. I'm sick of hearing about him already. (laughs) I'm going to say The Rock with a slight reservation. Because here's the thing. The Rock looks like he could carry me down the mountain. And that's what I would need. He doesn't just look like it. I promise you he could. Right. The only thing is, he's clearly from warm weather climates. So I worry Mm -hmm. a little bit about his cold weather resistance. I reject your reservation because I think he could kill a lot of animals and find you and him some pelts. That's true. I mean, I think he could kill a mountain lion with his bare hands. I'm going to say Kevin Grevio. Speaking of Kevins, (laughs) he's not that famous. But do you remember that one werewolf from Underworld that had the crazy deep voice? Uh. Yeah, that guy. I feel like his deep voice could scare all threats, including frostbite. Or cause an avalanche. Oh, shoot. There has to be a way down. No, we just gotta go back and find another way. I think if we follow this path. We're not doing that. We follow that path and we we die. The last time you thought you knew something, we ended up last time I thought. Last time I thought, I was trusting my instincts, Alex, you know? I was trusting my gut, calm down, my just heart. Calm down, all right? Let's just think about this logically. There's no Stop! Way. I'm scared. Okay? I'm scared. Admit that you're scared, too. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the bad movie podcast. This movie is The Mountain Between Us with Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. And almost exclusively them, except for a short period with, like, Bo Bridges and then whoever plays her boyfriend. And whoever plays Yellow Dog. And it's actually two. Two oh, that, dogs. That makes sense. Um, let's give full credit to Raleigh and Austin. Aw, they were cute. They were. So this is based on a book of the same name by Charles Martin, who I'm sure knows a lot about surviving uh, snowy mountains from where he lives in Florida. Based on the film, I would say you are incorrect. I think I saw a lot of good survival tips. Mm, We'll discuss that later, but please don't listen to any of these survival tips. Well, most of my survival tips are that things will show up miraculously exactly when you need them. That's my whole survival plan, so that's good to know. Yeah. Good to have that confirmed. Yeah. I mean, I would have died on the mountain, no question about it. (laughs) This is directed by Hani Abu Asad, and I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly. Probably not. My flawless Arabic accent. (laughs) Um, He's actually done some indie movies. This is kind of like his big chance at doing like a a Hollywood blockbuster. And he gets stuck with this movie. And I have to say it looked beautiful. And the acting was very good. What also seemed like the directing was really good. I think so. I mean, really, this is one of those movies where I feel like I can safely say the problem was with the script. And it seems very likely that the problems were actually with the original book. I mean, the problem is... So, okay, so here's the thing. Adapting novels is difficult because there's always too much novel in a plot to fit in a book. So you wind up having to lose details when you go into a movie. Could there be exceptions to that rule? There are, and we found it. Okay, I thought so. (laughs) This movie was so thin on plot, which is astounding, considering it was based on a book. I know! I was like, what is in this, what is the book about? Like, how long is this book? What are the margins like? (laughs) 
in triple space. Yeah, like inch and a half letting. <laughs> we haven't read the book, obviously. We'll not now be reading the book. So we start off in an airport. Uh, a woman named Alex just got news that her flight got canceled due to an approaching storm. A man named Ben, Idris Elba, also finds out that his flight has been canceled. Same flight. We also find out that he is a surgeon and he needs to get back because a boy is dying. Alex calls her fiance, Mark. We find out that they're actually going to get married tomorrow. So she comes up with the idea of chartering a flight. She overhears Ben having had the same problem. So she proposes they go halvesies on it. Um, it is apparently super cheap to charter a flight based on this movie. Yeah, 400 each. So... They go to Bo Bridges, the pilot, who is going to be flying them. He has an adorable dog. who Golden Lap. Yes, who's barking at Idris Elba. That's oh, so funny, right? He doesn't trust him. Keep an eye on him, dog. Oh, this will never come back again, right? Bo Bridges, we find out a bit about him. He did not file a flight plan because he's the world's best pilot. They're not the world's best passengers either, though, because they asked him about it. He said no, and they were like, well, okay. They uh, have some small talk on the plane. Uh, Idris Elba is also married, and the pilot talks about the one that got away. Although I don't know if you can call her that because she was actually married, so she, she like, was just never there. dated, so yeah. <laughs> but the one who he loved. Somebody yeah. he loved. He didn't sound that the, broken up about like, it. The one who got away because he didn't try to catch her, and also she was not available for catching. Right, so the fish that you admire greatly in the window. It's like a fish that you see already mounted on someone else's wall, and like calling that the one that got away. Yeah. The dog's also in the plane, because, you know, why not bring your dog along on flights safety first dogs love altitude changes <laughs> right it's dog was handling it pretty well so they run into some turbulence uh the guy is playing candy crush on his phone to occupy his amygdala which makes me want to punch him in the face ben not the pilot the pilot was not playing candy crush <laughs> so we find out that uh kate winslet is a journalist a photojournalist goes to dangerous places to take pictures. She was actually taking pictures of neo-Nazis uh, where she was. So the pilot then begins to have a stroke. I thought it was really cool that they actually took the unexpected tack of having it be a stroke, not the storm that everybody knew was coming. Mm -hmm. I think they might have done it so that you couldn't blame the characters too much for the fate that they were in. Because they actually say... Oh, what's that? The storm moved. Uh, it's it's closer. And then he has the stroke. And you're like, yeah. oh, I thought it was going to be the storm. Yeah. So the plane goes down in the mountains. The dog is in the back seat with the two passengers, but stays on the plane quite easily when the tail comes off. Yeah. Like somebody just kind of loosely grabs him eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Kate but Winslet. this dog has amazing toenails is all I can say. <laughs> So the plane goes down, Idris Elba wakes up, he figures out that Kate Winslet is still alive but injured, she has a cut on her leg. Uh, I mean, you know, there's something serious wrong with her leg. We see that it's cut open, uh, and he also wraps up her knee, um, but I don't know if she actually had something broken or if it was, like, just badly hurt. I feel like she, it had to have been broken based on how she acted later. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't heal in three weeks. Uh, the pilot is dead. The dog is totally 100% fine. <laughs> <laughs> Only because one with no injuries. Yeah. 
So there's a bit of survival medicine, which he can do because he's a neurosurgeon. And neurosurgeons are good at every type of medicine. Well-known fact. He starts a fire with the fuel from the plane, calls for help in the mountains where there is clearly no one visible. I guess in the off chance that somebody's around. Or like on the off chance that he's just done with it and wants to start an avalanche and bury them more. I know. But that, does, that doesn't happen. Okay, so they bury the pilot in the snow. Uh, and the, do- the dog's sad. It's, it's a very touching moment. Alex wakes up the next night. Idris Elba says that somebody's definitely going to come. When the plane goes overhead, though, they try and fire the beacon, but it's too late. Uh, nobody's coming. They have no cell service. But, you know, you stay with the plane because that would be where they looked for you. The beacon in the plane, he right. thinks, is going to draw someone. Plus, like, that's... I mean, if they just see a plane crash and you're, like, 30 miles away, what? how are they going to find you? Exactly. So he wants to stay. Also, they have shelter there. Yes. Uh, and they do have a small amount of food. So then there's a bit of small talk. They're going to... She's sad about missing the wedding. He didn't call his wife before he came. So nobody knows they're there other than the possibility of a beacon or somebody having seen it. The next day, she decides she wants to go because no one's going to come and she's a doer. So she wants, even with her super injured leg, she wants to go. He wants to stay, stay with a plane, stay with relative safety. Can I just say, it can't just be her leg. She has to have some brain damage because she was out cold for over a day. No, that is true. That does not happen if you don't have a brain injury. Yeah. And she says uh, she feels like it's her fault that he's there. So he, she says, even if you're the only one that goes and it's okay if you don't come back. So she's like throwing herself on the altar here. So he goes out to look for a trail. Uh, she goes through his stuff because she's a real stand-up gal. She finds a photo of his wife in his wallet. She also finds a recording from his wife on a recorder. The wife says that he's controlling. The marriage is on the rocks. It feels like from this message. Uh, then she stops listening. Meanwhile, Idris Elba, looking for a trail, he then skids on a slope, goes down, hits a cliff, goes over, he dies, and she dies in the plane. Really? Or he stops right at the edge of the cliff and then goes back to the plane and everyone's fine. Right, that's the movie I saw. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The most realistic outcome would have been that they eat the dog at some point, but that yeah, spoiler happen. alert, that does not happen. Um, actually, while he's gone, a mountain lion or some sort of large cat. It's a mountain lion. Okay. Comes to, tries to get into the plane. The dog very realistically actually keeps barking at it and refuses to stop. Yeah. The dog goes out to fight the mountain lion and loses without being killed or severely injured. And the mountain lion comes into the plane to try and eat her, even though there is very easy prey outside. But this mountain lion is a completionist. Like everyone's getting eaten or (laughs) no one's getting eaten. She fires a flare at it and scares it off. So when he comes back, the dog's wounded, the mountain lion's dead, he sews the dog up, uh, who's very patiently just letting... Yeah, while it's awake. Yeah, letting him sew, sew up. I, I feel like this is a dog that... possibly a saintly dog. Yeah. So she wants to talk some more about his wife. Even though she has... He's dropped on all this stuff that says, like, may not be, like, the world's happiest marriage. They eat the mountain lion for dinner, parts of the mountain lion. They say it's going to last for 10 days food-wise. And then they argue again about staying or leaving. 
And he accuses her of being reckless, which is super duper true, considering she's the one with the really injured leg. Yes, she can't even walk. Also, how does Idris Elba know how long a cougar lasts? I guess what is he, on. some kind of outdoor? He's like an expert outdoorsman now that he, first of all, is field dressing a cougar. Can I just say? Second of all, he looks at a cougar and is like, that's 10 days of food. I think you may have forgotten. He's a neurosurgeon. <laughs> well, apparently it's normal in the world that they live in because there are no questions about how he knows that. Only questions about his wife. Yes. Everyone's super interested in his wife, except for me, who could care less. So in the morning, she leaves while he's still asleep. She leaves with the dog. He wakes up, finds her gone, and she's left a note behind. You know, so long and thanks for all the fish, basically. (laughs) Thanks for all the cougar. Yeah. Uh, He builds, like, the world's most feeble SOS sign. So he abandons his SOS. He decides to go after her. He finds the tail of the plane and sees that the beacon is smashed. Mm-hmm. So then he catches up to her. There's like this amazing reunion, hugs all around. The dog is super happy to see him. Yeah, because she's not doing that great. Like it's really slow. She, yeah, I think she's, it's harder than she thought to walk on her leg. Well, plus there's a lot of snow, so the snow is really deep. Yeah, which let me just tell you is difficult to walk through, having lived in Chicago. So now they're on their way down the mountain. There's more small talk. They talk about him being a neurosurgeon versus any other kind of doctor. And then there's the lovely discussion about the heart versus the brain, basically. Yeah. The heart is just a muscle, he says. Well, okay, to be fair, Kate Winslet's question was super dumb. He's like, well, the brain is where your personality is and, like, all your decisions and your emotions and, like, all this stuff. Like, that's like your whole thing is like in your brain and she's like what about the heart and I'm like are you speaking medically like did you really just ask that medically right because everyone knows that medically our emotions are in our heart yeah that's how it works because I feel like it actually would have been pretty valid for him to be like are you asking me why I didn't become a cardiologist instead of a neurosurgeon right things are very different yeah because like this has nothing to do with emotions yeah but in case you were wondering what the extended metaphor is throughout the entire movie they make it to the tree line that night then they find shelter in a very convenient cave that's quite large uh, and well ventilated Yes, with no predators in it, no. by the way, which is weird. I thought there was going to be something in it. I watch a lot of horror movies, but I definitely thought there was going to be like, I was like, oh, where does the cougar live? Is it here? Nope, just a cave. Right. I mean, a large, convenient cave. It seems like it, there should be something living in it. Something should be. Everything that lives around there is dumb. Yeah. So then he's, you know, he's checking on her bandage. He's doing all that stuff. She feels that his hands are cold. So she puts them in her jacket to warm them up. This is not a thing people do, especially with people that are basically strangers. Like, put her, your hands her, in your own jacket. They're just as warm. Jacket, yeah, I we'll know. Say. Well, it's also, like, awkward seeing them sit side by side, and he's got his arms, like, over in her jacket. It just looks uncomfortable. Like, yeah. he could have put... Anyway, it made zero sense, but I guess this is supposed to be the beginning of a beautiful romance. You can't Netflix and chill in a cave, Rose. Yeah, your options are limited. Yeah. So they agree that they're going to stick together. Then there's, like, a bit of snuggle time in the cave, you know, for warmth. Wink! And when they wake up, we see Idris Elba wake up, and uh, Kate Winslet's hand with the engagement ring is on his jacket. <gasps> Keep in mind, they, they have no existing relationship right now, and it really doesn't matter. Yeah, none. So Kate Winslet looks around to see if she can see anything through the telephoto lens on her camera, and she sees a flash. They decide that's where they're going to head to, 
And so then there's more slogging through the snow and more questions about his wife because we cannot hear enough about this subject he clearly does not want to talk about. Also starting to see why she's a photojournalist because she's terrible at asking people questions. Yeah. She's so unsubtle. She should just be hitting him with a giant sign that says, tell me about your wife. <laughs> and there's no reason that she needs to know about his wife. No, this is entirely her, like, and she's like, oh, but I, we're right, here we definitely this need to together. bond yeah. during this time of great tribulation. We could die here. I should know everything about your life. Right. Let me just tell you, if you were ever stranded on a mountain with me, I don't need to know about you in order to die with you. It will just happen on its own. I'm going to tell you everything anyway. <laughs> So they go down the mountain further, slightly further down the mountain. They run into uh, a cliff with a waterfall on it where they can't go any further down. He's says they need to backtrack. Um, he says that he's never thought they're going to make it. And then he leaves dramatically after a whole conversation earlier about how they're definitely going to stick together. Can I say that it's kind of funny that they run into a waterfall and they have to turn around and it's like this huge defeat in this movie because oh, yeah. in normal romances, you find a waterfall and it's super sexy. That's a good point. In this one, they're like, oh no, we're going to freeze to death. Oh, see, they're subverting expectations. This <laughs> movie's cleverer than we thought. Not saying much. <laughs> she steps forward looking like she might decide to just jump off the cliff. Like, I don't know <laughs> what her plan is. And, and she makes it seem like, no, we definitely need to keep going forward off the cliff. She was like, no, we can get down through this like one little thing here. But like, he knows all about slipping on icy surfaces already. So he's yeah. like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to die if we do that. Right. This also seems like, I don't know. I, this feels like it should have come much later in the movie to me. They're constantly trying to manufacture just like interactions between them because literally all they're doing is walking through the snow and trying not to die. Yeah. It's not that sexy. Like if anybody has tried not to die before, it's not a sexy endeavor. And you're not feeling your best, especially when your leg is really injured and you're having to walk on it all day. <laughs> I know. So they set up a campfire at night. There's still no signal on Idris's El Idris Elba's cell phone. And it now has a low battery because, of course, it does. You can't have a cell phone in a movie without it having a low battery. This is the rule. It's how you build suspense. Yeah. Uh, no one ever charges their phone all the way. That would be nonsense. <laughs> uh, they listen to 1% of music because Kate Winslet just can't take it anymore. So the next day, they're admiring scenery, which I guess is making the best of a bad situation. Uh, he wants her to take a picture of him because he's like, you know, I'm going to die. This will be my last picture. He says, if I die. Well, he doesn't yeah. say I'm definitely going to die. Well, all this is basically a ridiculous setup for her to tell this insane story. Okay, so she tells uh, this story about being on an assignment in a war-torn country where she was getting close to a group of female guerrilla fighters. Uh, and then there was a bombing, and one of the girls that she got really close to was badly injured. And she took the girl's picture right before she died. So she is not going to take Idris Elba's picture. This makes so little sense. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, is she saying that she can never take anyone's picture again? Is or that the, the implication picture, here? Yeah, or that the picture maybe caused her to die? Like, I don't understand. I kind of got the impression from the story. So without being able to watch it again, I thought that she was saying that, like, 
it haunted her that instead of trying to help the girl, she ran and got her camera and took a picture of her instead. Oh, that's funny, because I got the impression that she already had the camera, and I don't know what she could have done for this girl. So, well, if she died right after that, nothing. But, exactly. But I So it thought, seems like she just took the picture, and then the girl died. No, I think she went and got her camera, though. Like, instead of getting help or, like, trying to do anything, she got her camera and took the photo, and I think that's what haunted her. That still doesn't really make sense, because that's not the situ- even close to the situation that she's in right now. Well, it also doesn't make sense unless her camera was in the tent next to the medical tent, and she didn't say anything. <laughs> like, it, she, that girl still would have died. It took her, what, a couple minutes to go get her camera? Like, this doesn't... This does not seem relevant, and it doesn't seem... And, yeah, it's not remotely close to the situation that's going on. Yeah. He's had a change of heart. They're not going to die. Not today. There's a lot of flip-flopping as to who's on what side of that argument. There is. We kind of jump ahead to, like, this little montage of them walking through snow. There's a lot of montages like that. They've been walking for three days. They take a break on a log... The a dog is a log. Yes, yeah. on a log. The dog runs off like dogs do and is gone. And so she sends Idris Elba to look for it. This dog has a lot of snow stamina, by the way. This is not a husky or any dog that was built to survive long lasting cold weather temperatures. And it's never had a problem. It's always so happy in the snow and it's just like running around and doesn't seem to need to eat anything. Yeah, they have a limited supply of food and that dog is apparently fine. Okay, so the dog disappears. The man goes to look for it. He finds the dog eating something. And so he looks around the area and he sees this cabin that's right there and just kind of like an empty cabin. There's no one there. Then we cut back to Kate Winslet, who's still on the log on the ice. And then the ice begins cracking. <gasps> she was on ice! I know, we didn't even know we that. We didn't even know it was snow. on ice. Of course, she immediately, like, goes underwater, because that's how these things go. So this is, like, sub-zero degree water. Uh, she's in it for, a li- like, a while. Uh, Idris Elba breaks through the ice. He has thankfully come back just in time to see this. He breaks yeah. through the ice. I he, thought he didn't even see her go through the ice, though. He just came back and she was gone and he was like, oh, no, it was ice and she's under the ice now. I mean, maybe. This, I was the like, details are that? unimportant. What's important is the drama. That must be why they put so few details into the movie. Yes. He breaks through the ice and he rescues her. Uh, He carries her to the cabin and sets her up on a bed. And she's not waking up. He finally admits that he's scared. Oh, Idris Elba. He's... Don't worry. Then narrates to her comatose body that he's jerry-rigged an IV of saline fluid with this hypodermic needle he found with, like, snake antivenom. Oh, really? Yeah. He's going to inject it into her. By the way... A small hypodermic syringe full of saline fluid is apparently the cure for hypothermia? Um, unclear. I thought he... Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's weird, actually, though, that they would have had snake venom there. Because I don't think it stays good for very long. So you can't, like, stock your summer cabin with it. This could not have been a huge syringe, but he's going to... Oh, I know. And he's like, there's some chance of infection. And I was like, she's definitely getting infected if, if you inject that into her. Yeah. Like, the, the cleanliness conditions in this cabin, you cannot boil enough of this cabin to make it okay. 
Well, plus I would love to know how he is 100% sure that he got all of the snake anti-venom out of the hypodermic syringe because that stuff is just as deadly as venom. Well, it's made with venom. Right. Yeah. So like, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Worth the the risk, Rose. Well, so he says it's a risk, but he knows that she would want him to take that risk. Also, she's fairly reckless, so he might be right. Well, he probably is, because also she's 100% going to die if he doesn't do it. Yeah. He injects it into her. She doesn't wake up. She dies of infection, and he dies of sadness. Also, the dog dies of infection. It got bit by a cougar. Psych, that's not what happened. He injects it into her. She wakes up. She's perfectly fine. She never gets any sort of infection. He <laughs> has found two cans of soup in the cabin, and he... Feeds it to her. So they're set for winter. Yeah. <laughs> Two cans of soup. Yeah. I, okay, hang on. It was not a meaty soup either. It looked like it was really just like broth. Can we say that it is unknown? It did look very unsubstantial. <laughs> it is unknown whether they brought any cougar meat with them. <laughs> no, I, in fact, we would I'm have seen them dragging the carcass sure. behind them. Well, he could have like cut some out and like some of the meat out. We would Mr. have seen Expert it. Expert field dresser. We would have seen it. But part of this, I feel like, is Kate Winslet's fault for taking off without any sort of warning. So he had to just kind of like make some snap decisions here. One of those snap decisions was very foolishly leaving the cougar behind. Leaving 10 days of cougar behind. Yeah, because let me just tell you, you drag that thing through the snow behind you, it's fine. You're refrigerating it. You're freezing it. That is true. Yeah, it's not going to go bad. Freezer burn, maybe. I feel like that's a risk they're probably willing to take. (laughs) (laughs) So he feeds her soup, and they have to wait for a break in the weather. They've been lost for almost three weeks. They thankfully tell us, because we have no idea how long I would have thought, I don't know, three days, maybe? (laughs) No, it kind of felt like three or four days. Yeah. It's been three weeks. That is how little has happened. Yeah. They can't even lie to us and, like, say that more things have happened in a shorter amount of time. Right, they haven't even, like, had toes falling off or anything. Nope. So they're hanging out at the cabin. The storm is, I guess, broken, but, like, the snow's deep. Uh, He's chopping wood, the dog's chasing a rabbit, and not catching it. She pulls out the recorder again and starts listening to the wife's message again. He catches her, because of course he does. She, She feels bad, she probably shouldn't have done it, but she just wants to get to know him. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know you unless I know everything about your most intimate relationships. Uh, respect boundaries, Kate Winslet. He says to play it. He's, I mean, he's, he's angry, but he says to just go ahead and play it. She plays the whole thing and then she apologizes at the end. Right. So what we hear is like, oh, you left your thing unattended, your recorder unattended. I'm surprised you're usually so like controlling of everything. And, but you can't control this. You can't control this. And I'm sorry that I'm leaving. And I know I've already told you this, but I want you to have this. And I'm sorry I'm leaving, but I'm really happy that we had, you know, what we had at least together. Yeah. So he hasn't heard the message in years. Two years. An unspecified number of years. It was two. I'm pretty sure it was three, but whatever. He leaves in a bit of a tizzy, as any of us would be. And then he comes back. And And says, I forgot my banging you. (laughs) I know. They kind of make up with a hug and a kiss and then another kiss. And then there's some sexy results. While they are 
having these sexy results. They, the movie keeps flashing back to previous scenes, like starting with like them just kind of glancing at each other and then like the hug on the snow and all of these things. I'm like, guess yeah, what, guys? Like things that we saw 15 minutes ago, well, five yeah. minutes ago. I'm like, if you're having to flash back to inconsequential romantic moments previously in the movie, these people should not be having sex. Like, Or, and or, you're not doing this sex scene right. Right. Oh it was God. really boring. Right? I'm like, we just saw this, okay? We know what happened. There were some significant glances. Although what it actually reminded me of was in Community, when they edit the montage Oh, of, yeah. They start doing montages of everyone. They're like, yeah. you, you can fake emotion between any two people. If yeah. You just, like, make a slow motion montage. Right. Music. <laughs> that is kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. They're not wrong. So, after that, she takes his picture while he's still asleep. Finally broke her promise to not do the thing that he wanted her to do. So it's a good thing, but... (laughs) He wakes up and he shares that his wife did not actually leave him the way she thinks he left him. Mm -hmm. His wife died of brain fever. Brain fever? That's what they say. What? I know! Are we reading a a dramatization of a novel by H. Ryder Haggard? We are. She died of brain fever in New York City, not the jungle. She says they must be close to something. I don't know why this is only being said just now. Like, that should have been the first thought as soon as you saw the cabin. This must be close to something. Yeah, there has to be a road here. Yeah, like, there has to be a way down. Whatever. We waited until now to say it, I guess, for story purposes. Because he's going to go find what they're nearby. Like, he's going to set off by himself to find out what is what they're near. Yep. So he walks across the field. He's going to go find her. We get some more cuts to, like... I feel like it was the sex scene that just happened. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. And like, no, it was, and then him getting ready to leave. So we get cuts of something we have not actually seen. And that also, I don't really care about. I didn't. But also must have happened like five minutes previously (laughs) in real time for the movie. (laughs) Yes. And also that doesn't really, like, I didn't understand the importance of this. Like, of course, like, she's got shelter. She's relatively safe. He will probably only take a day or two to find something, you know, assuming he goes off in the right direction, which is down. This is the sensible plan. She's still limping and, like, her leg is still awful. Like, she's still limping along through stuff. Yeah, I mean, at least in the cabin, she's not going to die of exposure. Right, so of course you leave behind the person who's super injured and slowing you down. Yeah. Well... Because they do constantly bring up that she slows him down. Yeah, she's bringing it up all the time. Yeah. Well, he gets to the other side of the field, he stops, and then turns around and runs back to the cabin and says... He can't leave her! Yes. They have to do it together, not at all. If I was Kate Winslet at this point, I would be so angry. Yeah, this is not couples counseling. Like, you can do this by yourself. Right. Like, please send help. Just, like, go out and send help. It's fine. Like, oh, great. Okay. I get to go down the mountain, too? Oh, good. Some more walking on my really injured leg. Yeah. P.S. Future montage shows they were wrong to do that. (laughs) Yeah. They die of exposure. The dog eats them to survive, finds its way down the mountain. Did not say it was an uplifting montage. So now we get some more trekking through the snow. He has to pull her down part of the way because she can't make it. Trekking is a generous word for what Kate Winslet ends up doing. (laughs) 
Which is largely being pulled. Yeah. yeah. At this point in the movie, he's done, like, literally everything he can do for her except carry her down the mountain. Like, he's the doctor who fixed her up. He keeps finding, like, he finds them food. He's the one who found the lighter and the pilot's jacket, which lasts forever. He's doing all of this. He saves her from drowning. Mm-hmm. He wakes her up again. He's doing, he's chopping wood. He's doing mm-hmm. all these things. So now we get to the point where he actually carries her partway down the mountain. They rest for a little while under a tree. They fall asleep and die of hypothermia. The dog makes it to safety. I would take that ending. Or the dog notices that they're asleep in a bad way. Starts barking like crazy. And when that doesn't wake them up, pushes Andrew's Elba down the slope and yep. wakes him up. Good dog. That's the more realistic thing, I think. Idris Elba wakes up, he sees smoke from, like, civilization, he knows that they're almost there, he wakes up Kate Winslet, the dog runs off, again, as they're on their way toward the smoke. The dog, by the way, has been kind of just gallivanting around wherever. Yeah, he's just in and out. Yeah, but they occasionally get super concerned about it. This is one of those times, Kate Winslet wants Idris Elba to go look for the dog, The dog is going to be fine, guys. The dog will come back. Also, the dog has not forgotten where you are. It's not going to leave you behind. It wants to be with you. He's constantly coming back. Yeah. Sends Idris Elba after him, who finds the dog and then steps into a bear trap. If I had a nickel. She tries to open up the bear trap. He stops her. I mean, if this had been the other way around, Idris Elba would have opened the bear trap and... And it would have been fine. But because this is not the case, he sends her for help since they're super close. She can now... Hobble. <laughs> yeah, she can now hobble quickly it's towards civilization. Hobble. Power hobble, exactly. I would call it. Uh, we see him pass out, but she makes it to the logging camp, which is actually super crazy looking, like the, the size of the trees and stuff and her yeah, walking next to them. it's actually really cool. That was kind of a cool scene. She runs up to where, I mean, hobble, power hobbles. Yeah, exactly. where a truck is driving onto the lot. She stops right in front of him. The truck, by the way, the truck for some reason waits to stop until he's about two feet in front of her. Yeah, I know. I'm he's like, seen her. She's clearly visible. Yeah, there's nothing else going on here. Yeah, but he waits to stop until he's about two feet in front of her so that she can collapse dramatically. He knows what a good scene looks like. Yes. She collapses. She dies of her wounds and exhaustion. Idris Elba is... Not found. Yes. The dog is saved. <laughs> That's, of course, not what happens. Uh, he, We cut to Idris Elba waking up in a hospital. He's been rescued. He goes to find her in this hospital. He goes and finds her room in what I would call the best wearing of a hospital gown ever. I agree. She's so happy to see him. They're so happy to see each other. They hug. She feels alive because of him. And I would say this is the understatement of the year. She is alive because of him. Yeah, that was weird. That was such a weird way to put that. Yeah, like she's legitimately only alive because of him. But we cannot address this because who walks in from her private bathroom in that room? Who apparently has not eavesdropped on this entire super intimate conversation? Yeah, I guess not. It's her fiancé. Mark. Idris Elba is uh, a little unhappy to see him there, obviously. Also, a little surprised that she's totally cool with him being there, not sending him away, not explaining, oh, hi, I've left you for this man that I went down the mountain with. None of that. He just kind of looks a little shell-shocked. He does. And the fiancé kind of is, like, looking between them and then, like, kind of puts his arm around her. 
Like, oh, hey, he's you're, just, you're a really good looking man, like super buff. And you've just, you know, saved my fiance from all this. I'm just going to like slyly put my arm around my fiance. Yeah, spent like four weeks on a mountain together. And he's <laughs> like, oh, uh, thank you. Alex told me what you did. Thank you. Walks over to Alex. And he's like. She's like standing there for a really long time awkwardly. Well, she's like, this is this is Ben. Like he did these things. And he's like, yeah, I met him. So then they go back to living their separate lives. The movie ends with him in London and her in New York. You would think that the movie was going to be about to end. It was not. Yeah, it turns out. close. Yeah, it turns out we have an entire third act to go. Yeah. This was a bit of a surprise for me. Not a good one. No. We see him crying in the shower. He's in London with the dog. Uh, He's British, by the way. I didn't mention. Like, he is, in fact, from London in this movie. He was only in New York because uh, his wife was American. So, but he's gone back to London. Uh, she is back with her fiance. She's at a party that's been given to, you know, welcome her back. Mm-hmm. Her boss wants to see the photos she probably took during this awful experience. She knows it might be a bad time, but she just wants to get that in there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, print is dying, so if you could hurry it up and yeah. give us a good story, that'd be great. Right. Uh, we see her kind of coping with this. She's sleeping on the floor. She's doing a lot of swimming. She's leaving messages on Idris Elba's phone because he will not pick up. Understandably, knife in the back. She has a conversation with her fiancé where the fiancé says, you know, like, I knew you you had a high-risk job. Like, I came to terms with the fact that loving you meant that uh, I would love you even if you came back with a piece missing. I assume he meant both in the figurative and literal sense. Hopefully. She's not actually missing any pieces in the physical sense, by the way. None of them are. Just even though, her heart. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, they're in surprisingly good health, considering they spent three weeks stranded on a mountain. They actually are. Like, n- nobody lost fingers or toes. Yeah. I mean, we, he can't do surgery anymore because he had, like, hypothermia, I think, on his fingers. Right. So, presumably, he did lose some, like... Like, nerve damage. Yeah, he had nerve damage, possibly some slight function loss. But right. But, like, not really, because that would be unsightly. So, mm-hmm. let's not do that. She, uh, in the middle of the night, wakes up from this nightmare, decides to empty the stuff from her suitcase to just throw it away. Then she finds the rolls of film. We see her in the dark room. She's developing the film. And she sees, of course, the picture of him the morning after. Yeah. Looking super good. She sends it to him. We see him getting it in the mail with some other pictures and a note that says, you're the only one that would understand this. He calls her. So yeah. we cut to New York. They're in a restaurant. Uh, the dog still doesn't have a name, which I hate. I really hate this this whole unnamed dog thing. It's so dumb. I mean, I understand on the mountain you, you aren't probably thinking about dog names. Although, this is the person who relentlessly questioned him about his wife. You would think she would have named the dog, but that's fine. He has committed to taking care of this dog and raising this dog. Well, he lives alone with this dog. Like, yes. we saw his relatively empty life. Yeah, he still has not named this dog. Like, the whole unnamed dog thing, it only gets to be a thing when you still are not planning on keeping it or you're in denial over the fact that you're going to be stuck with this dog. Also, has this dog not been taken to the vet? I know, Like, right? this well, is also a dog that can... probably has some medical repercussions from this three-week excursion. Not from what I saw. 
It, was, it looked super healthy the whole time. It was a pretty sprightly dog. Yeah. But let me just tell you, when you go to a vet to register your dog, you have to give a name for it. Yeah. You could name your dog Dog, and they would put that in there. Right. But you would be the worst person on earth. And actually, he doesn't say he named it Dog. He just says he hasn't named it yet. Yeah. Anyway, it's like a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> um, he asks how the wedding was, and she says they're, they didn't have a wedding. This is what she says. And then there's this pause of no explanation afterwards this by the way the guy you had a strong emotional connection with and slept with on the mountain and you you decide to answer this question with there was no wedding that does not mean anything it just means they didn't get married yet yeah actually when she said it i thought that it was just like oh we can't handle the stress of planning another wedding right so we postponed it indefinitely but we're still totally living together in a couple yeah there was no part of me that thought, oh, she's now free and clear to pursue a relationship with Idris Elba. Yeah, I didn't get that. From yeah. So that. then after an un unnecessary dramatic suspense moment, um, she says they didn't get married. They're not together still because Mark's not him. Uh, she didn't answer. Subtext. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't know why you didn't tell me this. She says, I tried to call you. And he's like, I didn't answer because I thought you were married. Like, are we living in a world before texting? It seems like it. Or I email or letters. Right. Like, if you really want to, like, get with this guy, like, you need to do something other than leave. Oh, voicemails. She's been leaving voicemails on his phone. He's can't say, also broke up with Mark. Yeah, right? Maybe we could have a conversation about that. Take a page from the youths. Start texting. Yeah, like there's a million ways to have solved this problem other than you didn't answer. <laughs> he says that it's hard enough. It was hard enough losing his wife. He couldn't take losing her too. But he saw the photos and they made him feel alive. So he decided to come visit her. That's kind of what changed his mind about the whole phone call thing. She says that she loved him on the mountain. Then yeah. the waitress comes by to refill the glass of water. She has taken maybe two sips out of this water. Like, it's not even an empty looking glass. Like, there's no reason for the waitress to come other than to show, to remind you that this is taking place in a restaurant. This is the weirdest, like, this is the worst waitress of all time. Okay, but maybe she's mad that they are taking up a table <laughs> in a fancy restaurant where she's getting no tips right now for two teas. One tea. One tea to share. Which is even worse. <laughs> They're not sharing it, by the way. That yeah. would be weird. Yeah. Idris Elba says, we survived because we fell in love. Eh. Disagree. <laughs> I think it made you take unnecessary risks. I don't think that you would have gotten bear trapped if you had not taken her with you at the end. Well, right. Because presumably this means that if it had been him and Bo Bridges who had survived, like, they would have both died because they wouldn't have been in love. Well, I don't know that he would have left the plane in time, actually. I think he was forced to... But it has well, nothing to do with love. That just has to do with two personality types that kind of pushed each other into making the correct decisions. That is true. Rose, you're so heartless. Stop using your brain. Start yeah. using your heart. True. Well, yeah, she says that the world is bigger than the mountain, and the heart is just a muscle. <gasps> Callback. I know. He says, he says an idiot said that. What idiot says that? A sexy one. Hmm, yeah. She leaves. And they, they, they both head opposite ways on the street, which is always that thing of, like, I think is super convenient. I mean, like... Yeah. It's always the awkward thing of, like, when the emotional conversation ends and you realize you both <laughs> have to go the same way to catch the train. I know. 
We see them both crying as they're walking away from each other at the restaurant. Idris Elba, by the way, like has never cried in his life, I think. He so can't. yeah, so he he's doing a game job of it. But uh, he, do, he doesn't have crying masters. He's DCI Luther, the toughest detective in London. He cannot cry. Yeah. <laughs> because his wife already died. Right. He literally has no tear ducts. Yeah. But then, of course, they both regret this decision. They both turn and run back toward each other and, you know, embrace. And then we cut to credits. So they're... With, um, like, the most epic romance of all time. Yes. Correct? Mmm... Bottom 50. <laughs> oh my of gosh. Of all time, I'm talking. Are like, we including like, hominids? We're including hominids in this. We're including like Harlequin kind of stuff in, in this. Oh yeah. Like teen romances. Yeah. Nicholas Sparks. Or is that the other 49? Danielle Steele. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like at least 15 of the others. But. <laughs> And I have to say, the acting was really good, and I do think Kate Winslet is a really good actress. I have the yes, hardest time yes. buying her chemistry with literally anyone. She does not have a lot of chemistry on screen in a romantic way. She has good chemistry on screen, but not romantically. Right. Like, the Titanic, the least believable part was that she was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, she didn't have it with Jack Black in The Holiday. I feel like she only kind of had it with Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But of course, That's, that was an unusual romance. Yes. And most of it was when it was already over. Yeah, she was. They weren't tr playing in love. They were either playing super quirky or... Heartbroken. Yes. Yeah. That is the most believable romance I've ever seen of her in a movie. Yeah, that's true. Quirky romance is, like, being quirky somehow, I mean, for a period of time, and even still now, just being quirky was, like, a substitute for having chemistry. Right. So that kind of took part of the brunt of that. Right. So they're probably not gonna stay married happily forever, unless they do a ton of couples counseling. Yeah, no. Can we just, like, talk for a second about the likelihood of people in traumatic experiences actually having lasting relationships? Yeah, I think it's probably low. Also, they... I, it is low, actually, because they say you start, like, high adrenaline. And also, you are you don't know this person in a realistic setting. Like, they've only known each other in extreme situations uh, where they were probably going to die. Like, you're not acting like yourself. Like, also, you don't know what his personal habits are day to day. Like, you don't know anything about each other. Aside from your interminable conversations about your wife. And by the way, guys... These are the conversations that they had that were supposed to be, like, the great chemistry between them. <laughs> this is not how you fall in love with someone. Please tell me a list of facts about your life. Dead wife. And being a neurosurgeon and stuff like this. And, like, no, that's the, how I'm going to fall in love mm, with you. Not stuff like this. Those were the two things. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That was literally it. Like, they know nothing about each other. Yeah. Um, also, there's nobody else there. Right. Which is most of life. <laughs> right. Other people. Yeah. This is also a movie that had, like, almost non-existent plot. Yes. For a movie based on a book, that's the weird thing. It's not like it was even filled with details that didn't matter and, like, didn't translate. They just weren't there. Yeah. Because the problem is there wasn't enough romance to carry the plot. Like, I'm not, like, fundamentally opposed to a romance. Like, I can watch a good romance. But, like, 
there, there wasn't really romance, but there also really no, wasn't, wasn't like survival stuff. So you were kind of left with this story that wasn't one thing or the other. So you just had nothing. Yeah. No, it's true. It was pretty much just nothing happened. Yeah. Um, two people got together because they're both sexy and on a mountain. And actually what it made me want to watch was, did you ever see The Grey with Liam Neeson? No. Okay. I really like that movie a lot. But, I heard it was super depressing. Well, it was very, it was, it was pretty depressing. Not selling it. <laughs> no, I really liked it a lot though. Cause it's, it's kind of that similar, like we have to survive in the Arctic wilderness. That one did look harrowing at least. Yeah. But that's the thing is there were like real survival problems. Right. It wasn't just like, oh, and now there's like a convenient cabin here oh, and it's magical. Wasn't, wasn't that movie a giant metaphor? Well. The gray. I mean, yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Um, also, there were a lot of wolves in it, so there was that, too. Yeah, I thought the was, wolves were the metaphor. Well, the wolves were, were also the survival problem. Yeah. Uh, the, the presence of the wolves was... I, I'm not going to say these wolves were super realistic acting. <laughs> I'm not going to say they acted exactly like wolves do. Well, when you need, like, eight wolves, you, you've got to take some of the lesser mm-hmm. wolf actors. But that's the thing. is like, if I'm going to watch a movie about survival stuff, which I do not care about on a fundamental level, I at least want it to be about real survival stuff. You know, it's like The Martian or something. Right. The Martian was great. I was not expecting to like The Martian, but he was dealing with real problems and having to solve them in real ways. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, it's cold. And then they were like, my body's kind of getting used to the cold. And I was like, I don't think it is. You're not dressed for this. So that quick. That well, yeah. For one thing, yes. For another thing, you do not have the clothes on for this. You have winter clothes on, and you have winter coats. That's not the same thing as mountain coats. Also, their faces were exposed for most of the time. Like they would not have had noses or ears by the time they his were done. ears were exposed the entire time. Yeah. And also, yeah, it did have that kind of romance plot where it's just like, well, one of them is a man and one of them is a woman. I yeah. don't understand what the problem is. There was no problem. They got yeah. together and it was awesome. Basically, I don't know what was in the book. I don't know how it got to book length being about what this movie was about. Yeah. I mean, they must have had some intense internal monologue stuff going on. That was so bad it couldn't even go in this movie. Right. This was after rewrites, too. Like, yeah. What we saw was plot added. Yeah. Oh, so probs not making its budget back. We saw it after the second weekend and it hadn't made its budget back yet. And the second weekend had a 47% drop in ticket sales from the first weekend. So that's not a great sign. No. And it had a pretty small budget. 36 million, wasn't it? Yeah, something around that. 30-something million. Yeah, that is kind of small. By the second weekend, it made 30 million. And, you know, with that big of a ticket sale drop, like, it's probably not going to stay in theaters forever. So. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Director. Hoping you get other movies. I know, it was his big break. I hope I hope he makes it. And he was good. I mean. And it was beautifully shot. A lot of it was really good. Well done. Yeah, it was one of those movies where, like, everything about it was good except for there was just nothing there. Yeah. So our next movie is going to be a return to our favorite autonomous cybernetic organisms, the Transformers. We're doing Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, in which Sam goes to college. Nice. And we find out what the deal with the pyramids is. I'm going to tell you one thing. It's got 100% more Transformers than you were taught in school. 
deep state responsible for so many lies. So that's what's next on More is More. Ooh, I can't wait. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.